0: You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, With that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today locked on bulls part of the locked on podcast network a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba levine he goes right oh stop it sampson did you not get the memo Hosts jordan malley and matt peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the nba
1: what are you doing the finisher in New York City.
0: Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markinen, Bobby Porter. you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck.
1: What's up and welcome into Lockdown Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, Dash Radio.com and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel, live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern at 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, runner of Bulls basketball and the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and college hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago and host of the 312 show on AM 15 IDW CGO. Follow us on social media on Twitter, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Lockdown Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Bulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369. Believe me, we're going to get to all of the text messages and voicemails you guys have dropped over the last 24 hours. Following up on this Fred Hoiberg Firing, So we'll get to all of those. But if you still have thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. 331-979-1369 is the place to do it. Matt, welcome back. We've got Bulls basketball tonight, but obviously overshadowing this story of Fred Hoiberg's firing, which is probably going to continue this conversation throughout the week. And now that the kind of the dust has settled a little bit, reflecting back on anything that we've said kind of your thoughts from yesterday, anything that came up after the show that you kind of thought about or thought that was a good point made by anybody here in the media or nationally made by this firing of Fred Hoiberg?
2: I, I thought the most uh, enlightening stuff that we've gotten over the last 48 hours or so was the uh, the column that our, our friend Darnell Mayberry did for The Athletic, uh, which I think was posted agree. early this morning, um, kind of highlighting some of the uh, examples of Fred losing this locker room um, and, and it started with the embarrassing loss to the to the Warriors and John Paxson holding a meeting after that with the coaching staff saying, we've got to play harder. We've got to compete. We've got to get tougher uh, and, and giving him, giving Fred, you know, a, a handful of games to try to respond to that. But some of the other examples of Blakeney uh, verbally lashing out at Fred in the middle of a game in front of everyone on the bench saying, why the fuck are you taking me out of this game? And, and Fred not really <laughs> having an immediate response to that. And things like Jabari in his first game, embarrassingly getting subbed in and not being ready to check in and having to take all the bandages and things off of his legs. Like, are you kidding me? What? And and like, not only that, but certainly the, you know, the example of Zach Levine late in that game against San Antonio. And the fact that, look, players on this team respect Jim Boylan. Uh, He is bad cop. Fred is good cop. Good cop did not have any respect, did not have con- command of that locker room. And uh, some of the some of the little nuggets from from Darnell in that column were, were pretty eye opening.
1: Yeah, and he followed it up with he just went on um, the Bernstein and McKnight show on 670 this morning, kind of followed it up on some of those comments. But yeah, if you're not reading the. Athletics, Darnell Mayberry, or even Stephen No, who he had on the show last week, both of those guys, fantastic coverage of this Bulls team. But I, I thought it was hilarious seeing that quote about Antonio Blakeney, like midway through that Milwaukee game a couple weeks ago. And he's like, Why the fuck are you taking me out? And like Darnell said too on the radio, he's like, I should kind of clarify that comment. He's like, That's the way some guys talk. But he said, from the sources that he he talked with, he said that was a state, it's more of a statement. Thing more so than just kind of the lingo that they use because a lot of guys swear in the passion, the heat of the game, whatever. But yeah, that's that like when you've got a guy that's first year in this league, like first year on a full contract saying, Why the fuck are you taking me out? I found that very eye opening. The one thing we didn't get to, Matt, that I kind of wanted to ask you about, and this has been kind of a conversation happening all over the place right now, is with this hire of Boylan, and this is something we didn't talk about yesterday. Do you feel like there was any any indication that Boylan was trying to do anything that would undermine what Fred Hoiberg was trying to do in order to take over that job? Like, there's going to be some questions, and there already have been brought up multiple times over the last 24 hours. Is like, did he do things not necessarily to kind of help Fred Hoiberg, but to try to open up his lane to be the next head coach? And it sounds like a lot of people said he didn't do anything directly. But if he was asked to do something like he was going to do it full, forth, full force and know that's kind of, you know, that might stand out more so than what Fred is doing, especially this season. But I don't see any ill will as far as like Boylan wanting to just like plot against Fred Hoiberg to take over his job. I'm not getting any sense from that, from just what he said and a lot of other people, what they've said over the last 24 hours.
2: No, I, I don't think this was like a mutiny of Jim Boylan. I think Jim Boylan was just trying to do – the best job he could as the associate head coach and Fred's number two guy and John Paxson took a look at what this team was doing and the lack of spirit and energy and all the things that he talked about um, yesterday with the Fred firing and saying we believe that that Jim Boylan is the fresh voice that this team needs right now and Jim Boylan might be able to bring a little bit more discipline to to our young team, and, and the the word and the phrase that the Paxson kept using, uh, he used it yesterday. He used it today again when he was on the radio, both 670 and ESPN 1000. Is is the phrase "bad habits"? And when you have a young team that you start to start to notice a trend of bad habits and guys doing things that are not the kind of basketball you want your franchise to be playing, then something has to change. And uh, uh, you know, un- under Fred, it was a series of bad habits. And that's why and you and I talked a lot yesterday about what's up with the timing of this. It's not so much that Jim Boylan seized power. It is that they saw this as the right time to say, "Okay, we got marketing back. We're about to get done and Bobby back. We don't want to let these bad habits that have started to creep up under Hoiberg continue once we really start to to have a chance to evaluate our, our young roster when it's fully healthy. And that's why this is when it happened.
1: Yeah. And just listening to some of the other guys that kind of were reporting, Vincent Goodwill said another thing too. kind of mentioned because he was asked about like the fact that was there any ill will? Was he trying to find a lane to be able to coach? And the one thing that he did say is like, Fred came into this position with a guy that had paid his dues over and over again as your associate head coach. And so a guy that's really never gotten a shot in the NBA to be a head coach and maybe without, and this kind of follows up on what I was saying, He, Vincent Goodwill took a different angle to the question that I had yesterday. Is like, if the Bulls really thought that Boylan could be their next head coach, why did they go interview, let him interview in Charlotte? And he took it one step further and he said, well, there was nine coaching positions open and available uh, over the summer, right? He said the only team that called him was the Hornets for one interview and he didn't get the job. So what does that say about, Boylan's ability to be a head coach and what other teams around the league think of him. So I didn't even think about it in that way. And in a sense, I'm thinking to myself, maybe it was, after all, what I was talking about is the fact that they let him go interview for the Hornets job and then reeled him back in and said, hey, you know what, maybe behind closed doors, maybe through back channels, they said, you know what, hang around. Maybe this is, there will be an opportunity here soon without actually coming out and saying, hey, you know what, if there's problems with Fred Hoiberg, you're the next guy up. So, he took a different angle to it and I thought it was an appropriate response to the question that I had yesterday about whether or not they, they felt good enough to give Boylan the job and why did they go out and let him interview for these other head coaching jobs and maybe that speaks to the, the evaluation of other teams too around the NBA and that's something that I can't at least ignore for right now.
2: No, I, I, I mean it's the, the writing on the wall is Pretty clear here, and um, you know whether or not you uh, you have faith in Boylan as the next guy taking over, and it, whether or not you want to take anything away from the fact that with all of the coaching vacancies, the Hornets were the only team to call Boylan, and what does that say about him and and how much he is respected across the league? Hey, whatever, clearly Paxson respects Jim Boylan and wants to give him this opportunity. Uh, and said as much on the radio this morning, saying we're we're giving Boylan, you know, every opportunity to seize control of this head coaching job. Um, we want him to be that guy. We believe he can be that guy. And um, it, you know, it's a fresh start. I, I I don't know how quickly and how uh you know um how forcefully we'll start to see changes um as far as this team and getting rid of those bad habits that I was just talking about, but. Clearly, I mean, Jim Boylan had a more impressive resume than Fred Hoyberg when the Bulls hired Hoyberg four years ago. <laughs> right. Jim Boylan was serving on championship teams, coaching under, you know, Tom Rudy Tomjanovich with the championship winning Rockets. He served under Greg Popovich for the tail end stint of their dynasty when they won another title in 2014. His his uh, four seasons at the helm at the college level at Utah was, you know, some good, some bad. But clearly The dude's resume is longer than Fred's. So if they want to see if this guy can be the guy and put a little bit more, um, you know, uh, law and order into this young
1: team, I'm fine with that. The one thing I was going to say to shout out to one of our listeners, you actually a couple of our listeners over the last 24 hours, one, who said, you know, maybe I can get in touch with Andrew Bogut. And it turns out Andrew Bogut didn't play for Jim Boylan while he was at Utah. Andrew Bogut was drafted in 2005. Jim Boylan Boylan didn't become the head coach at Utah until 2007. 2007. Thanks to one of our listeners for reaching out and thinking of that. But uh, the other thing, too, one of our listeners brought up the best sound clips from Jim Boylan's head coaching experience at Utah and some of the best clips. Man, I have to say, I think my favorite quote out of all of those is saying putting whipped cream on a turd still tastes like shit after talking about one of their losses. And I nearly <laughs> lost it when I heard that whipped cream on a turd still tastes like I played that at the back end of our episode yesterday. So if you guys want to listen to that, and that'll be a that'll be a, a common sound drop this year going forward once we get we see more blowout losses
2: i i don't want to blow the cover of his professionalism because he does a great job with chanowski on pre and post game but uh we've heard something similar from will purdue when we've been watching these games in the green room with my bulls outsiders when the bulls are down (laughs) by 20 uh that's uh it's not just a boiling thing it's one of will purdue's favorite phrases as well whipped cream on a turd still tastes like
1: so let's look at tonight's game real quick before we get to some text messages and some voicemails and some reaction from you, the listeners out there over the last 24 hours. And also, we want to highlight some of the the important pieces or lack thereof, whatever information we We saw fit out of the interviews Paxson did today on 670, the score, and also ESPN 1000. But before we do that, let's get to this Pacers game real quick. Matt, you had mentioned it yesterday, put money on the Bulls tonight because the record for new head coaches coming in and winning their first game is astronomical. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it is ridiculous. So Bulls go into Indiana tonight tonight playing a Pacers team without Victor Oladipo. What kind of fight do you think this Bulls team comes out? Do you think they come out with with that that more energy, like more effort? And with in perfect timing, with Markkinen going back into the starting lineup, his second game, I think we're going to see a little bit of boost in the confidence of this entire team. I don't know about you.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously that's, that's what I'll be watching for. In addition to... How do they respond to to Fred getting ousted and Boylan taking over? Um, and what kind of uh, you know energy did they have at Boylan's first practice leading the team yesterday, which uh, ran for about two hours? Do they? respond with, okay, it's time for us to end this losing streak, which I think is at what, like six games now. They have an opportunity against, as you mentioned, a shorthanded Pacers team playing without Ola depot. You know, Collison's been filling in okay. One of the other Holiday brothers, Aaron Holiday, the rookie, has had some some big minutes for them. DeMontis, Sabonis looking like a really solid piece. But I think this is a winnable game. Um, just with that trend of the teams whose coach just got fired coming out and for whatever reasons, like, all right, here we are. F- fresh start, brand new day. Let's go win a basketball game. Um, I think it's certainly on the table for the Bulls to win this. And, of course, as you mentioned, Mark and getting back into the starting lineup. Love that decision from Boylan. To me, it's a no-brainer. I don't know why Fred decided to bring Markin off the bench to start. If he's healthy and ready to play, then play him. He's a starter. You should start him. Uh, and then, of course, the other thing that Boylan confirmed to us uh, in his first interview as head coach yesterday, as Jabari is going back to his role off the bench with with Markin coming into the starting lineup, so how does Jabari respond to being benched after a string of games where the Bulls haven't been winning, but at least he's been been playing better, playing more efficiently, at least on the offensive end? And um, how does Markin respond to to being in that starting lineup? And I'm excited to see him play alongside Levine and Wendell.
1: Yeah, that's that's another thing is I'm looking for Wendell Carter Jr. to have a bounce back performance. Because the last time we saw him up against Indiana, he was 5 for 10 from the field. He only had 11 points. Uh, he had 8 rebounds and 6 assists in 24 minutes. He got into some foul trouble into this game, and that's why you only saw those limited minutes. But I think with and now out on the floor with that that starting unit, things are going to open up, man. And and I'm hoping that Levine takes a, a a check from the book that he had on Friday night, which was a lot of two-man game. Remember I had mentioned that to you last week about... Levine and Carter trying to figure out and find some chemistry between the two and learn how to play some two-man game. And then Widow Carter Jr. actually had his season-high, career-high in points at 28 points in that game on 11 of 18 shooting. So having Marken in there, too, I think is going to open up a lot of possibilities for Levine for Levine, Carter, and Markinen to kind of play both like this two-man game and rotate between the two guys. And I think it's going to open up a lot of shots. And same thing with Marken and I. I'm i super excited to watch him and Matt. We haven't even talked about his return on Saturday, and that's kind of been all overshadowed by the firing of Fred Hoiberg. But for Bulls fans, fresh coach, you get the guy that we've been waiting all season to watch and, and coming back now. And so there's there's a couple things to look up here. I know it's been... Pretty much doom and gloom, negative guard packs for the last twenty four hours. But if we're talking about just X's and O's and what what's going to go on on the floor, at least you got Levine, Carter, and Mark and now playing together, and we at least to get wa- get to watch those three guys and see how they play together.
2: Yeah, and um, uh, I'm I'm hoping that uh, we get a close game tonight where you know there are critical possessions that need to be had. The Bulls need buckets. The Bulls need stops down the stretch late in the fourth quarter. Because not only do I want to see how this team plays late in a close game now that they have Markkinen back, and it's not just okay. Well, clearly everybody getting up on Levine because he's taking this shot. Um, how does how does that work, and how does Jim Boylan handle late game situations perhaps differently than Fred Hoiberg? Because we, I think you know, it's it, it's not unfair to say that drawing up plays, out of timeouts, and that kind of stuff. And certainly some of his rotations and who's on the floor late in games, we had plenty of valid questions about how Fred handled that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping tonight that the Bulls respond with that energy and spirit that Paxson was talking about. Um, they're in a game late where we get to analyze some bits and pieces of marketing back in the fold and a new guy calling plays in the game late.
1: I'm very curious to see how he runs his rotations too. You know, there's going to be some – differences that we see I think between him and what Fred Hoiberg was running so that's what I'm going to look for too and even over the next I don't know two or three weeks see how the game kind of changes and talks and he hit on those main emphases like one defensive rebounding how the Bulls are bottom three in defensive rebounding he wants to change that so over the next like three weeks or so let's see how that kind of changes things and maybe it'll take a little bit longer but At least in those three-week stretch, you should be able to see a little bit of a difference there. Same thing on transition defensive plays. He said that was the second thing that we need to get better at. So that's another thing that I think I'm going to watch starting tonight and going forward for the next three weeks and throughout the season is how they get better from the first 25 games that the Bulls played already so far. How do they get better at doing those things that he highlighted right as soon as he got hired? So. Those are the things I think Bulls fans should be watching out for, too, tonight. Anything else? I, I think I'm going to put money on uh, on the Bulls tonight against the Pacers, Matt. I feel confident. I'm going to cross my fingers on this one. Um, and I just wanted to mention to you, too, 2017-2018, Nikolo Mirotic, December winning streak ruins lottery odds. season Jim Boylan December winning streak ruins lottery odds. It's going (laughs) to happen. I have this feeling, Matt, like this is eerily eerily similar to kind of the start of last season. And And, Nico missed 23 games. Nico missed 23
2: games and then Markkanen missed 23 games before coming back. The Bulls didn't get the the first win upon Markkanen's return like they did with Nico. Look, I'm I'm with you. If you're ever going to put money on the Bulls this season, tonight's the night to do it because of all the reasons we just talked about. But do I think the Bulls are going to all of a sudden strain together some great winning streak? No. Look at their schedule. Not happening.
1: I don't want them to. I'm just saying, like, you're right. The, the schedule was a little bit softer when Nico came back last year, if you look at that team. But, um, you know, bad luck seems to find the Bulls in weird ways. And it might become, be because of their own idiocy, but at the same time, like... That would be so classic Bulls. The Bulls all of a sudden go on a winning streak where they go, like, 15-5 and in the next 20 games. And I'm sorry if I'm speaking that into existence right now, but, you know, I had tweeted that out yesterday to somebody. I'm like, man, this is, like, eerily similar to last year where the Bulls were on a losing streak. You know, you had that weird blow-up nationally about the Bobby and Nico fight. Similarly this year, firing Fred Hoiberg at an odd timing. Like... I just have these weird feelings and the, the weird connection from last year to this year. But hey, maybe it gets better. Maybe it does get better when Portis and Dunn come back and then is now back in the mix. So we'll see you tonight. You know, before we get to the text messages, voicemails, and you can do that at 331-979-1369. You know, if these Bulls rumors, if this Fred Hoiberg firing isn't keeping you warm as far as a Bulls fan goes we've got you covered action heat has you covered this episode is sponsored by action heat action heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing heat on demand at the touch of a button control your environment with action heat action heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to heated car seats They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. Perfect for any friends or family on your holiday gift list. If you can't figure out what to get somebody, maybe it's your uncle, maybe it's your grandma, maybe it's your mom, Action Heat has you covered. Great for anybody who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, anybody who loves the outdoors and hates being cold. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty warm, even the most frigid winter weather. Here at Locked On Bulls, we've got a special deal for our listeners. To save 20% off your entire order, go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Be back here on Locked On Bulls in 60 seconds. Stay with us. Back here on Locked On Bulls, 331-979-1369. Place to hit us up. Drop your voicemails, your text messages, anything you want to discuss. you got reactions. You just want to drop your feelings about this Bulls team and the direction that they're in. You know, there's been a lot of negative callers in bat. Chicago callers yesterday on the local radio stations were wilding out, man. They were calling in, screaming and yelling, upset about, you know, like this. This is like a cycle with this Bulls team. Like bad news happens. All of a sudden, everybody becomes a negative Bulls fan. And you get guys that haven't paid attention to the team in two years calling in fire guard packs, all of this crazy stuff. Uh, It did make for entertaining entertaining listening yesterday so a lot of those are podcasted up I suggest you go listen to those so we're gonna play some of the voicemails that listeners here dropped us as well as the text messages of their reaction but Matt first we got to get to john Pax and did his media rounds on the radio today went on the Mullion Haw show on 670 The Score, and then went on the David Kaplan show on ESPN 1000 this morning. Highlights from that. I know we don't normally get a whole lot from Paxson, but I felt like these two shows, they usually get Paxson or somebody from higher-ups in the Bulls front office, and they don't go on a whole lot of other shows. But any highlights you took away from this, any little nuggets that you took away from what Paxson had to say following up on Fred Oyberg's firing?
2: I mean, certainly he doubled down on what he said yesterday as far as the reason for the firing and defending the timing of it, saying, um, you know, to those wondering why you didn't give Fred a fair shot to actually have a fully healthy roster. And we got a lot of people in our text and voicemail thread asking us that very same question. He said it wasn't about wins and losses. He said it was about those habits that I was alluding to earlier, that he didn't want those bad habits and lack of energy and spirit to continue. Under the you know under the Fred Hoiberg regime that he saw going on, he, he you know he's excited to have a fully healthy roster uh, to see what this team can do when healthy over the remaining sixty games of the season. Five and nineteen start be damned, but you know if if, if they saw that problem with Hoiberg and the way that this team was responding, or better yet, not responding to him then that's why they decided that now is the time to make that change. And he definitely doubled down on that again today.
1: I was very shocked to hear him go back to the Warriors game and kind of talk about that. That was highlighted in Darnell Mayberry's piece too about how he was infuriated according to Darnell's sources and wrote in big letters on their whiteboard following that game that is players meeting 9 a.m. And it seemed like it calmed down after the fact. But my question here too is like, you know the type of roster you assembled. When, when you're going up against historically one of the greatest teams ever to be assembled, you know the roster that you had going into that game, so can you really be shocked at the fact that the Bulls got scraped and let Clay Thompson drop 14 threes in a game? I was pissed off at the time. and go back and listen to that episode. I said it was probably one of the most embarrassing losses the Bulls have endured since I've been a fan, and I've been a fan for over 20 years that I can actually remember. It was one of the most embarrassing losses ever, but for Paxson to be that upset, it's like, dude, you knew you Portis was out, Dunn was out, Valentine was out, marketing was out, and you assembled a roster that basically was was full of G League guys. Like, what did you expect? So I felt like there's a contradiction there, too. It's like, did you expect this team to go out and 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 not lose to the Warriors by 25 at one point? Like to me, it was just kind of crazy to think that, like, you assembled this roster thinking that they could compete against historically one of the greatest teams ever assembled, and then you're mad about the results when it turns out that they just got their heads beat in. Like, to me, that was just wild.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's a difference between getting blown out because you're a far less talented team and get and just rolling over, rolling over and dying and showing zero pride on your home floor. And I think Paxson, if he has any leg to stand on from any of his comments over the last 48 hours, that much is true. Look, if he had a problem with the Warriors, the game against the, the effort in the game against the Warriors, I I I'm with him on that. It was embarrassing. He said we were embarrassed. I've not been that embarrassed many times in my life being a guy who represents an NBA organization and putting up 92 points. Yeah, okay. They're they're you know a a shorthanded team with some G League guys out there, and Clay Thompson had a hot you know a streaker of a night. Still, ninety two points in twenty four minutes of basketball. Where the fuck is your pride? And I think that was a big part (laughs) of Paxson saying, okay, after tonight, coaches meeting, Fred, here's your warning. Get your guys to give to to play like they look like they give a damn about not getting embarrassed like that. You're on the clock, and he followed through on that. Absolutely. Yeah, and Jordan, um, as, as far as, like, uh, before we get to our mailbag real quick, uh, another thing that I want to get your thoughts on as far as what Paxson has said today, did you catch the response he gave when asked about Steve Kerr's comments? Steve Kerr making remarks yesterday saying that, the, that, that Fred Hoiberg, he felt bad for Fred because the Bulls really never gave him a chance.
3: Um, what I would say is... Uh... You never, you will never hear me make any comment on any other organization and how they go about their business because I simply don't know what's going on in those organizations. And I've learned that you know coaches are always going to support other coaches, and they should. It's it's a fraternity, and uh, you know they do that. But it's disappointing when people think they know things that they don't know, and uh, you know, and and it's very easy to sit on top of the mountain. And you know when you're on top of the mountain, look down and and criticize what's uh, what's going on below you. So um, that's n- no one knows what what's goes on in our organization, and you will never hear me say any anything disparaging about another organization.
2: He basically shot down Kerr and and scolded him for for giving his opinion on on the Bulls firing Fred. What did you think about that?
1: I the comments by Steve Kerr were head on. hundred percent true. The response from John Paxson, obviously not happy and he followed it up too. He wasn't happy about Derek Rose's comments either.
3: Well I, I knew Derek you know, was, was disappointed in the media and things like that. It surprised me they said about the front office. I we we've always uh I mean I've I've had a good relationship with Derek and unless, you know, he ever came to me and said we didn't, I'd I'd be surprised at that. Uh I I feel we treated Derek, uh, with great professionalism and great, uh, compassion when he was going through a lot of his injuries. And, you know, we, we allowed Derek in many ways to, to dictate, you know, when he played because of how he was feeling and that was the right thing to do. The young man had been through, you know, the the ACL first and then the, the injury he sustained in Portland. And, uh, I, I like Derek Rose a lot. And, um, I, I, you know, I can never put myself in his position in terms of how he grew up in Chicago and then having the injuries and, and things like that. I'm, I'm actually, I'm very happy for him that he has finally found some some peace of mind, uh, recovering from these things and, and finally gotten back to playing at, a, at such a high level. I, it's a great story. Um, personally, I, I've, I've, I've always had a good relationship with the young man, and I, um, so I'm. I'm 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 surprised he said it, but that's, that's, if if he did, that's, uh, that's his right.
1: And Steve Kerr, frankly, is, is 100% spot on. And like when you get called out by other people around the league, and it's well known too, Matt, like, We've heard from a lot of people that said the Bulls are the the butt end of every joke around the league as far as the GMs and the management side of it goes. Everybody knows the Bulls are kind of a laughing stock, and that's the worst thing that a, a fan could could ask of their team is to be the laughing stock of the NBA. And Steve Kerr hit it right on the head. And man, he John Paxson can be mad all he wants, but but those are straight facts. You didn't you never gave Fred a chance. To legitimately do what he was brought in to do. And that's that's just facts. Matt, I tweeted out all the guys that the Bulls traded, moved on from, let go in free agency, or just simply cut 27 guys in three years, Matt. 27 guys. That's nine guys that you're replacing on a yearly basis. How how can you expect a, a team to improve collectively when you have that much turnover? Like, that's my yeah. biggest question to him is like, how do you expect that with that much turnover in three years?
2: Whereas, you know, Steve Kerr is a, a very blessed man when it comes to the lot he's gotten in his NBA career as a player um, and now as a coach with a lot of talent. That Warriors team, they have some turnover in the back end and their their bench pieces are different sometimes uh, throughout their four five seasons as, as one of the top teams in the league. But Steph, Clay Draymond, uh, you know, first it was Barnes, now it's Durant. Uh, but, you know, like for the most part, core pieces that are there. And that was the other thing that I thought was interesting th- uh, as far as Paxson's comments to, to Kerr in, in response to what Kerr said is Paxson saying something along the lines of like, well, yeah, it's it's easy to sit at the top of the mountain and look down and cast aspersions upon those who are less fortunate, essentially saying it's easy for Steve Kerr to say that because, hey, the Warriors are, are Gucci. The Warriors are, you know, defending champs. Life is great for Steve Kerr so he can look around the league and, And, uh, you know, give his two cents on what's happening elsewhere. And it just just sounded like so, to me, like whiny from Paxson. It's like, oh, are you you jealous of the situation Steve Kerr is in? Okay, well, John Paxson, look, you've had some hits. You've had some misses as far as your 15, 16-year reign at the top of this franchise, this once-proud franchise. Take some ownership. Going on the radio every once in a while and saying, you know, I, I hold myself accountable, it it doesn't cut it to me. It doesn't cut the mustard because guess what? No one's holding him accountable. And Paxton knows it. He, both to, to the guys at Mullion Hall this morning and to Cap and, and Jordan Cornette said, I, I don't pay any mind to the people calling into your shows, calling for my job, calling for my head. I don't care. I You know, I'm confident in my job. If I ever get to a point where I feel like, I'm I'm not the best guy for the job anymore. I'll go to Michael and Jerry and say so myself and I'll step down. But he knows and he's laughing about it inside that his job security is unparalleled anywhere else in this league or probably just like in general as far as being accountable, held accountable for for not doing enough with the job that you've been that you've been given. And to 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 call out Steve Kerr like that, Saying, whoa, yeah, it's so easy. Steve Kerr, you got the Warriors. Life's great for you. Come on. It's, it's, it's easy to just, you know, throw arrows from the top of the mountain. Come on, Pax. Really? He's, he's as you said, Jordan, Steve's just calling it like he sees it. And, Paxson, if you're not happy with the fact that you're not at the top of the mountain, at the bottom, maybe take a look at some of the people that you've surrounded yourself with in this organization. Take a look at some of the decisions you've made. This is the bed you made, John Paxson. Lie in it.
1: It's funny, he wants to talk about culture and creating a culture, him and Gar both. I played it yesterday from what Gar had said in the first three minutes of their opening statements from Media Day. And he said, I liked the way Fred was building a culture this summer, and within two months, he's fired. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) The commitment that that Fred and the players made this summer to improvement, and, and I think really are creating a culture with these young guys uh, of playing together, playing hard, working together.
1: You know what? It's funny. He can throw jabs at Steve Kerr all he wants about the roster that was constructed. But frankly, Steve Kerr came in there and created a culture for those guys. And that's how you win basketball games. That's how you win championships. And he was able to do that. And, you know, you want to talk about culture here all the time. Nobody has come in here and built a culture because you haven't allowed them to do that. And you haven't given them a roster to be able to do that.
0: I think this roster could potentially be more conducive to how Fred wants to play. You know, maybe more. we We keep using the word versatility, but we have some versatile guys that maybe we can play a little smaller at times if we choose to. Uh, and that's, you know, where Fred has had success in the past. So,
1: so you, you know, you want to fire shots at Steve Kerr all the time, but like the dude has a point and he's thinking up for a guy that last year, you all laughed at me when I said Steve Kerr and Brad Stevens both said Fred Hoiberg was one of, one of the smartest coaches in the NBA. Like you all laughed at me for that. And yes, Fred Hoiberg has his flaws, but he's talking about being a basketball coach and having a fair shot and he didn't have either of those. And then also too mentioned on Twitter yesterday, just to kind of follow up on this. I said, the first two things Paxson said in his opening statements about this Bulls team that were good is that we are healthy this year finally. And two, that we were deep that we have depth at, at each position too deep at each position. One sure injuries happen. That sucks. That was a bad, it's just bad. It, it happens to every team. Fine. Can take that. That's not Fred Hoiberg's fault either. two, the depth, that's not Fred Hoeyberg's fault either. You were the one who constructed the roster. So firing shots at all different people because you're mad that this turned out to be a negative and this hire didn't work out. Like, man, you're totally spot on, Matt. He's, he he made this bad, so now he's got to lie in it.
2: And, you know, I, I know I, I gave Fred a hard time on yesterday's show just because I'm relieved that he's gone because didn't get a fair shot fine, was given a, a variety of different chaotic rosters uh, and lots of injuries, yes, also true. But bottom line, I didn't think Fred had what it takes to coach at this level. And it's mostly, you know, mostly attached to his personality and his demeanor and the way that he carried himself. And hey, go figure. That's the kind of thing that we've been hearing from Paxson talking on the radio this morning about not the the you know the guys the, his young players not responding to Fred, not buying in and listening and following orders. And, oh, my God, the irony is so thick you could cut it with a knife because when they ousted Tom Thibodeau four years ago and just said all sorts of nasty things about him as they kicked him out the door and saying, you know, we're so excited to bring Fred in because, you know, we just went through a period where we were losing trust in the, the open lines of communication um, and honesty within our organization. And you have to have open lines of communication and trust. they all all levels and you know we, we we lost that with Tom Thibodeau and we're really excited to get that back with Fred Hoyberg and they praised him and lauded him as this great communicator and oh my gosh Fred is going to be so not only is he going to modernize our offense here with with the Bulls but oh he's just such a great communicator guys are really going to respect him and and he's going to be really easy to talk to open door pop. okay well fast forward 3 seasons and change and you just kicked him out for being too much of a pushover you hired him to be the yes-man pushover that you wanted because you were sick of dealing with Tibbs and his rough-around-the-edges deme- brash demeanor. And you just kicked out Fred and are replacing him with Jim Boylan, who, by the way, like much more of the cloth of Tom Thibodeau. Like, it's, it's laughable to me, the situation that Paxson is in right now and the way he's trying to justify it. Fred's the guy that you wanted. You got exactly what you wanted, a, a soft, squishy little little stuffed animal who is going to be really nice to your players, and he's going to be really nice to the front office. He's going to follow orders. Yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you, ma'am. More please, ma'am. No, ma'am. Oh, he's too much of a pushover, so much so that he has no respect in the locker room, even with a roster whose average age is 24 fucking years old. Oh, and now we're just really disappointed and surprised that the guys weren't really buying in and and, and that Fred wasn't really getting his players to respond. Gee, I'm, I'm color me shot. Get the fuck out of here with that
1: bullshit. It's, it's disappointing. You know, as a, as a Bulls fan here, you sit and, you know, coming into this season, I think you and I had a lot of, we had a lot of positivity coming into this season, right? You know, th- finally being able to see the core guys play together and the health concerns that happened, you know, in training camp and these guys kind of going down has kind of delayed or derailed this process of this rebuild. But there's so many other underlying issues that go into trying to build a a winning culture and a winning championship type of team. And it starts at the top, man. And, And until the Bulls realize that and realize that maybe we should open up our analytics team because we're in the 21st century and it's 2018, we have the smallest analytics department in the NBA. Like, that that's not a good look either. I just don't know how you build a winning culture with with the way that the Bulls are run right now. And you know you can see that from afar. You can be somebody who follows this team as closely as we do, and and lives and dies with every game, and is on Twitter eight hours a day, looking at Bulls tweets and rumors and all of that stuff. It, it it's seen by throughout the entire fan base and everybody paying attention locally and nationally. And that's just the biggest thing Matt is, is I hate that this team is a laughingstock of the NBA because it's just a continuous carousel of jokes. And it happens year after year, after year, after year, it's, it's tiring. It's tiring as a bulls fan. And you know what the worst part of it is all part of it all is. This isn't even the worst this isn't even the worst thing that's happened in the last 3 years to this team. This isn't even the lowest of low points, I don't think. And even at those lowest of low points, this this front office wasn't wasn't got it wasn't cleaned house it was the coach's fault. It was the player's fault. It was, oh, we tried something and it didn't work. Like even at that point, these guys weren't outed. So, so for all of the listeners out there saying they need to fire Pax and they need to fire Gar Foreman, uh, they need to fire everybody in the front office. That's not going to happen. That's just the reality of this situation. So now the question is, how do we move forward without that? Because you've got to just realize as being a Bulls fan, those guys are going to be there until further notice. So our conversation needs to move from that point, because we just all have to realize that that's what it is. That's what it is. Gar Foreman, John Paxson are there until further notice. And that's what we have to deal with as Bulls fans.
2: It's gross. It really is. And Paxson once again, turned to the Derrick Rose excuse today on the radio. Yeah. He he responded to Derrick's comments about his issues with the front office and said he was surprised to hear that, but, Not only that, saying you know the the Derek injury and Derek's decline really you know hamstrung this 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 organization. Okay, well that happened a while ago now, and there are plenty of decisions that have been made outside of the vacuum of Derek Rose gets hurt, twenty two year old MVP tears ACL and is a you know a shell of his former self. Yes, that was a max contract that really hurt you because as soon as soon after Derek signed that contract. He went down, and you're paying a lot of money to a guy who can't play, but come on. Outside of that, a number of decisions, a number of coaching hires, fires, uh, replacements through the roster, shuffling up the roster, the way that they've handled trades. You can only use Derek gets hurt as an excuse so many times and for so many things before you just sound like a guy trying to come up with excuses and only finding the same one. Yeah, Derek getting hurt and and losing that MVP caliber player did a number on this team, but Paxton, I'm sorry. It's it's so disgusting to hear him still continue to use that excuse when that happened six years ago now. Get better. Figure out a way to do better. And sadly, you're right, Jordan. There's no accountability. Paxson said as much today on the radio and you know d- did all did everything but laugh about it he said he even cracked jokes about how people in this city and fans calling into these shows are-, are probably sick of him and ready to see him gone yesterday oh how much longer do you see yourself doing this job
3: <laughs> uh, well the people a lot of people listen to you say wish he'd walk away tomorrow I get it <laughs> um, I, I don't know I, I, I what I what I would tell you Cap and uh, Jordan is I i if I ever feel or when I feel that it's, it's time, if I don't feel like I'm leading in the best way possible, if I feel like the people that I work with are looking at me and saying, hey, the, the, you're not doing the right things for the organization, uh, I'll, I'll know and I'll, I'll walk away from it then. But I don't have any intention to. I, I, have, I, I, have, I feel such an obligation to this organization. You know, it starts with Jerry and Michael, but you know, just representing the Bulls the right way, and we all want to win another championship. Um, I, I know that, and you know, but but it's going to take it's going to take some some great decision making going forward. And again, if I feel that that that's not happening, then I'll be the first to know, and 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 then I'll never speak to the media again.
2: He knows, he knows. Bulls fans are sick of the Gar Paxson era and want and want him gone and want Gar gone, and he doesn't give a shit because Reinsdorf Jr. and Reinsdorf Sr., they're cool with it. They're cool with Pax holding this job until he says, I don't want to do this job anymore. Sad reality, but absolute reality.
1: Well, that's going to about it here on Locked on Bulls. There's part two of today's episode. We've got a bonus episode for you. That's breaking down all the calls that we've gotten, all of the text messages that we received. Over the last 24 hours, we dive for about a half hour into all of the voicemails that were left. Kind of fill out all the questions that were asked. You can do that at 331 979 1369 We're live on Dash Radio, Dash Radio.com and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But that channel. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. You can follow us on social media at Jordan C Mally at Bulls underscore Pack and at Locked On Bulls on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Locked On Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. From that Pack, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful day. Enjoy part two of our episode coming out, so download that and listen to that right after this. I think you guys are going to enjoy that. If not, enjoy Pacers and Bulls tonight, the start of the Jim Boylan era. For Jordan and Matt, we are out deuces.
3: If I can look in the mirror and be comfortable with the the job that I'm doing and feel like I'm doing it the best of my ability and and ethically and you know I, I, I can live with myself so I'm not worried about legacy it doesn't.
2: Locked on Bulls a show for the most passionate
0: fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern 9 a.m.
1: Central. For more content and to stay up to date head over to LockedOnBulls.com